the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Do you serve when it's not comfortable? Do you serve when it's not expedient? Are you a person that God can use? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Have you ever set out with a plan and write before your very eyes. Your plan came apart at the seams. In fact, if you didn't have any plan at all, it's quite possible that everything would have turned out better than it did. I hate days like that. Like this time I was walking out on these rocks. I had about 40 kids over in Hawaii. We were suffering for the Lord. That's right. We were having a harvest crusade in Hawaii. So we were over there sharing Christ, but we were kind of taking a little break. And I was out on these rocks and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a giant sea turtle right there. So I'm like, I take off my shoes. I take my wallet out and I tell this one kid, this high school kid, I said, hey, Daryl, watch my shoes. I just got these. They're brand new. And he goes, okay. So then I jump in and I'm swimming and I grab this giant turtle. I'm like, whoa, look at this turtle. You know, it's like, and so, and he's just like, uh, are we done yet? Can you let me go? I mean, it's like, anyway. So, so then as I'm swimming back, I'm swimming past my shoes. That, I'm like, what? Okay. My plan was that he would hold on to my shoes. His plan was, let me throw him in the water. I don't know what happened, but anyway, I hate days like that. Well, I'm sure you've had your own stories on plans that go sour. But yes, no matter how detailed we are in our best laid plans, something may still go wrong with them. Here are the top three reasons why plans may not work. Number one, maybe our plan isn't that great of a plan in the first place. Hey, someone's got to say it. You know, it's like your plan stinks. Okay, it's not a good plan. Okay, number two, circumstances along with other things that are out of control can change our plans at any moment. And then, of course, there's number three. Number three is maybe, just maybe, God has a completely different plan than our plan. And his plan should always supersede our plans. That's what we're going to focus on here today. As we continue in our study through the gospel of John, all the disciples, their plan was based on their own desires, looking out for their own best interests. Their plan didn't have any room for anybody else. Know this, servanthood requires sacrifice. That's why when Jesus calls us, he calls us to be bond servants. That's what he calls us for. Now listen, I just want to say this. You know, God wants us to serve him. 
He wants us to deny ourselves. You're like, yeah, but it's got one life. You got to live it. It's, it's the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Well, hold on. Now think about this. I just want to remind you of this truth. Okay? It's like if this is eternity, if this represented eternity, our life here on planet earth, that is if you get to live a full life and you're 80, 90 years old, you're that much of this. Okay? You've lived this much. Because when you get to heaven, it's like a hundred trillion times a hundred trillion years, and then you still got eternity after that. Okay? It's forever. It's life without end. So everything you do in this part of your life is going to determine how you're going to live in this part of your life. So God is asking us to deny ourselves this side of heaven. Quite different than what the, you know, blessed teachers of the health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine, where it's got to live now. You got to have the mansion on the hill. You got to have this and a nice car. Like, hold on. God might grant you that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like if you seek, and that's your whole life, pursuing what you can get in this life, you are missing out because it's all based on what you do in this part of your life that's going to matter in this part. People will come to me and say, Pastor, can we come over to your house? You know, when you get into, into heaven, we, we want to come to your mansion. I'm like, my mansion? It's all based on servanthood. It's servanthood. Remember the Bible says those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. Are you a servant? Do you deny yourself? Do you serve when it's not comfortable? Do you serve when it's not expedient? Do you serve? Do you, do you, are you a person that God can use? It's like, have you opened your life up? Because what you do in this part of your life is going to matter in this part. That's why Jesus said this. He's never asked us to do anything that he didn't do himself. It says in Philippians 2, 7, he says, he emptied himself. He took on the form of a bondservant. Again, that word means that you became a slave by your own free will and desire. Here is God, the eternal creator. He became a bondservant, a slave by his own free will and desire. He was the one washing the disciples' feet. He was the one staying up all night. He was the one that would never turn anybody away. He says, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. So, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not asking you to do anything that I didn't do myself. Yes, Jesus had a better plan, which brings up our three points. Number one, a question asked. Number two, a plan enacted. And number three, a miracle witnessed. Let's consider our first point, a question asked. Jesus said to Philip in John chapter six, verse five, he says, where are we to buy bread that these might eat. Now, this is an interesting question on many different levels, but track with this. This is the only time recorded in all of the ministry of Jesus that Jesus ever asked the advice of his disciples. Know this, Jesus didn't need the advice of his disciples, but rather he was hoping to see true faith in this in the face of the seemingly impossible situation. He was trying to pull some faith out of him. He was trying to say like, okay, guys, this is a little test here. I want to see what you've learned because at this point, we're like a year and two, four months into Jesus' ministry. Okay, here's a little pop quiz here. Okay, the pop quiz is, what have you learned in the last year and four months? 
you know, what's going on here? So here's a little question here to see if you have learned anything at all. But again, he's hoping to find some faith in there. It was like Jesus was saying, hey guys, we're not gonna send these people away, so get it out of your head right now. But what have you learned from all you have seen in my life? Now, Philip said, well, even if we had 200 denarii, that wouldn't even scratch the surface on feeding this hungry group. Now, a denarii was equivalent to a day's wage. So let's put it into everyday vernacular here. So if you, if you made 20 bucks an hour, an eight-hour day would be 160 bucks. So that's a day's wage, 160 bucks. So if you multiply that by 200 days, that would be about $32,000. And if there were 15,000 people there and we did a, you know, a number one at In-N-Out Burger, okay, we're going to give everyone a double-double, a fry, and a drink. They're $6.95 plus tax. So that would cost you somewhere around $115,000 to feed 15,000 people. Okay, so it's like he's right. If you had 200 denarii, 200 days wages, it wouldn't even scratch the surface. So his observation of his own plan was correct. Well, obviously that was not a good plan. Hey, Philip, but why, let me ask you this, Philip, why are you limiting this situation to your own thinking? Why? Haven't you been watching Jesus, the Messiah, Haven't you been watching the God-man, the creator of the universe? Haven't you witnessed every kind of miracle under the sun? Why then haven't you learned anything yet, Philip? Why? Maybe he should have said, wait, Jesus, remember that time you provided manna for Moses in the wilderness when they were out there stranded for 40 years because of their own rebellion? Why don't you whip up some manna? You know, it's like, I like to taste it anyway. Bible says it tasted like a cracker, kind of honey seasoned, you know? It's like, hey, whip some of that manna up again. But then in steps Andrew. Now it seems, you know, he seems to start down the right path of real faith as he says, well, we don't have to go to the store. There's a little boy here. Let me bring this little boy over to you. He's got a sack lunch. He's got five loaves and two fish. And right when you think, Andrew, you got it. You're on the right path. Then he succumbs to his human frailty as he looks over this humongous crowd of 15, 20,000 people. He says, but what is this sack lunch compared to all of these people? But you have to love Andrew, at least on one hand, because every time we read of Andrew, he's bringing someone to Jesus. First, he brought his own brother, Peter, to Jesus. Peter, you got to come and see this. We found the Messiah. Now he's bringing this little boy to Jesus with a sack lunch. And in the future study, we'll see this in the book of John. We'll read about him bringing some Greek men who were seeking Jesus. Could you imagine? I mean, what an incredible way to be remembered in the Bible. Whenever your name is brought up, you're bringing someone to Jesus. I mean, that's it. You hear of Andrew? He's bringing someone to Jesus that his, their sins can be forgiven, that their lives can be changed, you know, that God himself, they can know him, that they can know a true savior that died for them, ensuring that when they die, they can spend eternity in heaven. Yes, it looked like Andrew was gonna knock it out of the park. Here it comes, boom. But his plan failed because of his own lack of faith, as he admitted, 
But what is this small lunch amongst such a great crowd of people? Which brings up our second point, a plan enacted. Yes, Jesus had a plan. He had a plan all along, of course, and a plan that he established from the beginning of time. His plan was to do what? Not the normal. His plan was due to the outrageous. Do something big. Man, go big. You know, you're not going to stay home here if you're going to go big for the Lord. Get off the porch. Get off your rear. Let's do something. And he was going to increase the faith of everybody, and especially of his disciples. Yes, God's plans are always better than our plans, always. Not just sometimes, always. That's why it's so important for us to seek his plans before we stick to our plans. Seek him before we stick to ours. Why? Because quite frankly, our plans are never as good as his plans. Our plans many times cause more problems than solutions because our plans are based on what we know today. His plans are based on what he knows tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Have you ever prayed like, Lord, I have two jobs here. I don't know which one to take because, Lord, I know you know six months from now. Hey, Lord, we have two houses. We buy this house in this neighborhood, this house in this neighborhood. The Lord already knows who all the neighbors are. He already knows everything that can come up. Lord, how am I going to be? Am I going to be better off in six months here or here? See, that's how we have to pray because all we can base our plans on are what we know today. God knows our future. That's why prayer is so important before making big decisions, not after the decisions. Why do we always have time to pray after the big decision when it blows up? Okay. Oh, we always got time to pray there. Why are you praying? Because my plan blew up. Okay. Pray before the plan blows up, okay? I'm just saying, just throwing it out there, okay? You know, but again, like, think about this. One day, the honeymoon is going to end on every big plan. The honeymoon's gonna end on every big decision that you'll make. Ladies, your knight in shining armor might turn into a toad. I'm just saying, it could happen. Men, your princess will not always fit into her glass slipper, Okay? And many business deals can turn sour after a while. And retirement plans can end up unsatisfying. Okay, so maybe you made money, maybe all of these things, but does that satisfy you in the end? See, God has a plan that's better than our plan. We must never forget these two facts. Number one, God has a plan. Number two, God's plans are always, always, always better than our plans. And that was the case here in John chapter 6. Jesus wanted the disciples to start thinking big. He's trying to pull faith out of them. Hey, what do you think we should do? How are we going to feed these people? As if Jesus doesn't know what he's going to do. He wanted them to look outside of the box. To recognize that God sees not as a man sees. And no matter how hopeless the situation might have looked. No matter how bad the circumstances might have been. Nothing is impossible when God is involved. Nothing. Like nothing's impossible. Like, I mean, like, you might be looking around like, this is an impossible situation, but nothing can be impossible. I mean, this is a, here's a crazy thing, just a little thing. It's just a little tidbit. But, you know, I think God was using it to even minister to my stepsister. But it's like, you know, we, we were looking at my dad. He's sleeping on this little bed. It's flat, and, and, and my dad's big. I mean, he's, he, 
he's a tank, okay? So it's like, and he's flat on his back. He can't breathe, so he's not sleeping at night. He's not getting sleep, so he's like, you know, all this. And I'm like, I go, man, he needs a hospital bed. He needs one of those beds, like, you know, that motor up and everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you need that. So we start looking online and all this. I'm thinking, man, there's got to be, I mean, we're in Florida. This is a retirement community, and people are passing away all the time. I bet you we could find one that's probably, like, close to new, you know, used. And so we're looking around. So we find this bed, and it's advertised for 500 bucks. And I'm like, 500 bucks, okay, hmm, all right. Well, you know, hey, maybe we can negotiate. So I called the guy, and he's like, I'm not negotiating. I'm like, okay, well, uh, but, you know, and I go, yeah, it's, it's firm, you know. <laughs> like, well, let me come look at it, you know. So we drive over there. Well, we since we look up this bed, and brand new, because he says his, his dad had just passed away, and it, he only had it for like three months. So it's like brand new. We looked it up online. $2,800 bed, okay? It's got the bed rails. It's got the up thing, the bump, you know, and this thing weighed like a tank. I mean, it was so heavy as I couldn't believe it. And so we get there, 150 bucks. <laughs> Praise Jesus, you know, it's like, and it's just like, you know, you know, these are little things, but just imagine if everything in your life was like that. We're, we're just like praying, like, God, we need to get a bed. God, you know, how do we get one? It's like, I enter him into every decision, it's just like, okay, well, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. It's like, you know, it's like God has a better plan, and he can always work everything out in your life. Which brings up our third and final point, a miracle witnessed. Yes, our God is a God of miracles. When Moses was backed up against the Red Sea, and Pharaoh was ready to come down and kill God's people, Moses is praying, and God's like, uh, Moses, excuse me, would you stop praying? Get moving. Lift up your staff. And the Red Sea split in front of them. And it came in half. And it says that God people walked across the muddy ground. They were going, you know, like up to their kneecaps. And they were, you know, no, it didn't say that. It says they walked across on dry ground. But did you notice what happened when Pharaoh came in after him? The wheels were all turning in the ground. So he turned it back to mud. And they're like, I can't get anywhere. Until the whole thing came down and killed all the Egyptians. As he delivered God's people. What about Jericho? It looked like an impregnable fortress. So God gives him this unbelievable battle plan. March around it. Okay, right. So when do we attack? You don't. Uh, great. Uh, so how's it going to go down? Don't worry about it. Okay, you know, so Joshua comes back. I just had time with the Lord. He gave me the battle plan. Okay, what's the battle plan? How are we going to charge this thing? How are we going to attack this thing? We're going to march around it. Great. Okay, so they did. The first day, they marched around it. The second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. I can see the people in Jericho. Look at these, these Hebrews that we heard about, these Jews. It's like we heard that they were so strong, and all they do is walk around us. And I can see them mocking. Then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. Seven times. You know, like, what is this? Is it a marathon today? I mean, they got a little booth set up. Here's your water. Here's your water. You know, it's like, you know, it's like seven times. And at the end of the seventh time, blow the trumpets and shout. Wow. And the whole walls fell down. And it's like killed everyone. It's like God always has a plan. What about in the day of Elisha? Elisha gets woken up by his servant. His servant comes in, boss, boss, we're all going to die. Don't you hate people like that? 
Everything that they look at, it's like it's the worst case scenario. Just watch the news every night. It's like, let me just give you the worst case scenario. Yes, we could all die. This could happen. Global warming. You know, we're all going to be flooded. All the ice things are going to melt. You know, we're going to be covered with water. We're all going to die. It's like, okay. Anyway, so who's going to the beach today? Okay. You know, so it's just like all of these things. It's like, so he comes to him. We're going to die. We're going to die. Look at all these armies around us. They're going to kill us. And then Elisha's like, um... Lord, could you open his eyes? And it says in 2 Kings, he just, he opened his eyes and he looked and all of a sudden he saw angels with chariots of fire circling them. And he's like, oh my goodness. Oh, okay, we're good. We're all good. Everything's good. No problem. Because God opened his eyes in 2 Kings 6 and showed him that on the spiritual side of things that you're not always seeing, God was circling you and protecting you and guarding you on the way in, on the way out, and everywhere you are. It was a little girl, maybe 15 years old, could have been younger, 14, and she wasn't a real attractive girl. I think she was just a very plain girl. She wasn't going to be on the front cover of Glamour magazine. And all of a sudden, she's just going through another day, and all of a sudden, an angel appears to her. and says, Mary, you're favored among all women on the planet. Every woman. It's like, what? It's like, yes, God's going to use you. You're going to bear the Messiah out of your womb. Okay, just one little question, baby question. Uh, I've never been with a man, I'm a virgin. Oh, no problem, it's already done. The Holy Spirit, boom, you know, it's just like, and, and what did the angel tell her in Luke 137? Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing, nothing. It's amazing when you look up the word nothing in your dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, these different dictionaries out there, they give this whole extravagant, you know, definition of nothing. It's awesome. Listen to what, how it's defined in the dictionary. Nothing means nothing. <laughs> it's like nothing. Nothing's impossible. Nothing. And just like here in John 6, where God multiplied loaves and fish, God can do the same for us. Philippians 4.19 says, God shall supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What is his riches and glory? It's, it's everything. It's everything. All the gold and silver is his. All the cattle on a thousand hills. You might have to pray, God, send one of those cows to the slaughterhouse because I need some help, okay? Because everything is his. All things are possible with him. Plus, did you notice how at the leftovers... 12 baskets of leftovers. Not only did God miraculously feed possibly 15,000 people, but God's provision was more than they needed. Always more than you need. Showing the abundance of God's provision. Honey, has God always given us more than we needed? (laughs) I'm putting you on the spot. Always more. It's never just, just enough. It's always more. Our whole life. My parents, her parents never really gave anything to us. It's like everything we have is, is from the glory of God. God always gave us more than we needed. Always. And we didn't always have it when we wanted it, but it eventually came. Everything came. Always more than what we needed. Always more. To show his glory and his majesty. Always. Leaving the people to say in verse 14, this is truly the promised Messiah. 
This is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18:15. But they they didn't really, you know, here's the question now as we end. Did these people really want a savior? Or did they just want a prophet who handed out free lunches? What about their sin? What about their soul? What what about their eternal destiny? Jesus was way more than a free lunch. I wonder, who is Jesus to us? Is he the God of creation? Or is he a vending machine who art in heaven? To just meet our never-ending requests. We are called to be bond servants, to serve him on this side of heaven, to be slaves by our own free will, to serve the king of kings in reaching out to our blind world that is so lost. Yes, a prophet had come, a savior was born. But the question is, are you right with him today? Are you willing to bypass your plan for his plan? For his plan reaches from today but it ends in eternity. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.